true that we're in a math in the series in Matthew, and uh, so you can take your Bible and turn to Matthew three. Um, I was optimistic and thought I could do the whole thing. We got to try to do that, but I have a sneaky suspicion we're not going to get through it. Um, so I think the I don't think we're going to reach Jesus's baptism, but then we'll do that next time because it flows even well with what we're going to talk about next time as well. But I'll, because it's good to read, so we'll read all chapter 3. Maybe we'll get there. Maybe I'll be faster than I thought um, and also have that part. Um, but we're going to be introduced to a new uh, new character and a new person today, John the Baptist, so who, who we're going to read about mostly today. And then also Jesus is all of a sudden grown up. So we have, have a, we're jumping in time here about like 30 years or something like that. And, um, and that's why it says in those days. So it was in the, in the days of Jesus. Um, and he's living in Nazareth at that point. Yeah, so, but let's, uh, let's read together. I'll put on my glasses because I'm more than 40 years old. So then I can also see the text. And uh, then you can follow along with me. Uh, can you just do the slide as we, as, as we yeah, thinks? Then I don't have to worry about that. Uh, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel hair and leather around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan were going out to him and they were be were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins but when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his ba- baptism he said to them you brood of wipers Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Bear fruit in keeping keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the tree, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is at hand. And he will clear the threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff will be burned with unquenchable fire. And Jesus came from Galilee to, Ju- to Jordan, to the Jordan, to John, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus is fitting for us to fulfill the, all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. 
And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. And so I titled, I had the title of... Uh, of this sermon to be an invitation to something better. Because we're going to talk about repentance and we're going to talk about what is John inviting people into. And so just, uh, just we can talk a little bit about John. Who is John? Uh, John, John is the son of Elizabeth, Elizabeth and Zachariah. Uh, Elizabeth and Mary, Jesus' mother is related somehow and so, so the two young men at this point, they're related. They might not have spent much time together. Uh, we don't know. Um, and this is the, like John just burst out of nowhere in the Gospel of, uh, uh, in the gospel of Matthew. Uh, in, in Luke, we hear something about him. But here, John, he just burst out. He's in, he's in the wilderness. He's preaching. He looks a lot. He he looks he looks a lot and carries himself a lot like the prophets in the Old Testament. He dresses like them. He eats a little bit interesting for us. But there's not really anything strange about that. It's a food for poor people who live in desert places. Um, but it's I've tasted one grasshopper at one time at a service somewhere. But. Um, these are apparently bigger, but I mean, yeah. So, and he wears some interesting clothes as well. Um, so John in this, John in this chapter is very much cast as a very opposite of the people that, of the second group of people that come. Not the people that are repentant, but the Sadducees and the Pharisees, uh, two, two parties, uh, two religious parties, um, uh, Sadducees, uh, uh, they don't believe in spiritual things like uh, angels and different things, and they don't believe in a resurrection. That's how you can remember Sadducee. See, they don't really believe in the resurrection. No, that's how I remember anyway. Uh, and then the Pharisees, they, they are the ru- they're, they're the ruling um, teaching class, uh, whereas whereas uh, the Sadducees are more no- like they're kind of nobles. But they're all very—they're all very religious. Um, but John is cast as the opposite of this, like a like something you haven't seen for four hundred years, like a true prophet. And so, um, in your Bibles, there's a New and Old Testament, and in be, in between, there's four hundred years of silence from God. Uh, even Jews would uh, even Jews would acknowledge this that God has no, has, he has sent no prophet in those times. So there's been silence. All of a sudden, John comes on, and and uh, what's his name? Matthew is very fast to say, not just Jesus uh, fulfills prophecy, but this is a fulfilled prophecy from Isaiah that John came. And so, what was John doing? He was he was making people ready for Jesus. He was like, repent and come back, come back. And so, sometimes I think. We misunderstand the prophets in the Old Testament, and maybe also John. 
Because sometimes, and maybe rightly so, we read the prophets with a lot of doom, and like, if you don't do this, you get punished. John says the same. But it's all in what you can say, speaking the truth in love we have, from, uh, we have from the New Testament. These are people called out to be different, to call God's people back because they had gone away. And so if you know something about <laughs> the Old Testament prophets, well, John is going to kind of end up the same way. <laughs> Uh, well, we, uh, we'll get to that. He's going to get in trouble and have his head cut off later. Um, sometimes people are not so receptive to what the truth is. And if you tell the king, you might end up losing your head. Um, but that's kind of how we see, uh, see that, like, this is what John's called to do. Like, he's called to be this person making a way, making a way for the Messiah. John is not exactly sure what Jesus should do, though. Because uh, later on, John gets a little bit like, is it you? Hey, I'm in prison. I thought if you were the Messiah, you will come and be king. And I wouldn't be in prison, and Herod wouldn't be a king. So John also is not like sure how Jesus is going to do things. This is all coming later, but that's just a note on John. So John has a particular view, which was normal, that Jesus was going to come, be the Messiah, the coming king, the one who's going to be ruling forever, so he wouldn't have to go to jail. No, but, um, so that's what he's preaching to be like, okay, guys, you got to repent. You got to stop all the things you've been doing. You've been running away. And we see the same thing in the Old Testament. People have turned away from God, worshiping other, other, um, other gods and um, doing what they want. And sometimes they have a lot of religious, they keep doing religious things, but their hearts are far from God. And so today also, we have to look at, as we go through, we would have to look at, is my relationship with Jesus, has it, has it just become a bunch of religious things on the outside? Or am I continuously being changed so that I am bearing fruit? Um... So then we have to look at John because I don't know John maybe would not have worked in the rapid church growth movement because he might not have been a very his sermons doesn't seem to be very seeker friendly uh, and his style might not have uh, suited many people because he's very upfront about hey stop doing this and come follow Jesus and he also looks maybe a little strange and not very good for internet TV or something. But, um, but it works. The Holy Spirit is, is, or God is using him, and many people are coming to him. Many people are coming out to be baptized. And they're, they're going into the water, and they're, they're confessing out loud their sins, to this uh, man who eats locusts and stuff, and, and they're like, I, we want to we want to turn around and follow God, and this is the things I've done wrong. And he baptizes them for cleansing and comes out again, which is highly offensive. 
because uh, that was only something you did for people who are not Jews. That's how that was a part of a rich, um, uh, of rites of when a, um, a non-Jew became a Jew, then they would be baptized. Up. But now he's baptizing Jews. That upsets maybe a few people. And, but it works. Like lots of people come out to be baptized. Maybe also see him as a beacon of hope. Like maybe, maybe God is really moving. Maybe he is coming soon. Maybe, maybe, maybe the Messiah is coming soon. And I, I want, that's really what I want. That's really what I want with, I really want to follow God. And, and this is so good. This is so good for us. Because God never, God never turns us away when we have a repentant heart who wants to follow him. We do see who Jesus and John are very hot on and like pronounced doom, doom on. Those are the people who say they're totally fine, that they're righteous in themselves, but inside they are like dead man's bones. So it's a high religiosity that I have righteousness in where I was born or how I was taught or my position in life. But the hearts could seem to be far from. And that's maybe also why you get this graphic language from John. <laughs> Not a lot of times I use that in my sermons to, towards you guys or towards anybody else. Well, he calls them, you brood of wipers. It, it seems like it's a, um, uh, what do you call it? It's a saying that people would use like to confront people. Jesus also uses it. So it seems like it's a thing you would say like, like you're like, this is hypocrisy. In Danish, you come in here and you say you want to be baptized. You come here to me and say you want to be baptized. And it's like the it's like John can see like they they are not here to be baptized. They're just here to look at other people confessing their sins. They're not they're not coming here because they want to follow God. They're not coming here to confess their sins. Because they have no intention of changing. And then then we get the whole then we get the clear then we get the clear um, consequence of continuing to persist against God's call continue to reject who Jesus is and continue not to change what's inside because the Pharisees and the Sadducees look so pretty on the outside. But John calls them out for what's inside. And he says, I'm not going to baptize you guys. Not that you want to because you don't believe you need it. But baptism is a sign of what already happened inside. Baptism is not something you do so something happens inside of you. No, it's a response to what already happened. So all the people John has baptized has come out to say, I want to be confess all my sin and be baptized. So John can see, hey, these people are changing on the inside. I will baptize them. So that's the same for us here. 
we would love for you to get baptized, but not if you have not changed inside, then you shouldn't. And he, he confronts them with like, no, like, if you're interested, if you're remotely interested in even listening to what I'm saying, which they probably not really are, but then you need to look at your behavior. And he uses graphic images of the trees. Like there's already an axe at the tree. And the Lord is going to cut down those trees and he's going to burn them. Every tree that doesn't bear good fruit. And then he says, but after me, this is who he's making the way for, after me, somebody's coming who's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And he has a winnowing fork in his hand and he will throw it up, like he will throw up the grain and all the deeds that are not good, they will go away. And he will gather the good into the barn and the rest will be burned with unquenchable fire. I said, he may be not be hired in many seekers, friendly churches, but what is John saying? John is saying, repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus is coming soon. The Messiah is coming soon. God's going to reign over the earth as he does in heaven. So repent and turn so you won't end up those places. John's inviting us all and these people into something better, but he knows some people are not going to listen. So he presses on and says, this is what the consequence is, and it's the same thing we see in the Old Testament prophets. Why is so much doom and gloom? Because people do not want to listen. But the consequences are the same. But there's always a call. Come on. Turn back. I'm inviting you to something better. Come back. Consequences of hard-heartedness is judgment. He shakes them up in there as 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 their ethnos. <laughs> he shakes them up in their Jewishness. Because there was this, there was this phrase by the... Pharisees and Sadducees that says well we're all going to partake in the resurrection because we're sons of Abraham that's why he goes crazy on them and says, says you know what it doesn't matter where you're from because God can take those stones and make them sons of Abraham it's about whether you repent and follow God or not They're going to use this defense against Jesus as well. Oh, we're sons of Abraham. We've never been slaves. What about the 430 years in Egypt? Um, sometimes they don't always remember their whole history, but that's maybe the way we, you sometimes can focus on what you think. Um, and they don't know the history. Because God is very willing to judge his own people. We see that in both, in both the judgment on uh, first on Israel and on Judah, 
that they are judged because they continuously rebel against God, although he keeps calling back by his prophets. And even all the way back to Moses as they go into the land, if you reject me, you will be ousted out of the land. So God has used other nations to judge Israel, Israel and Judah before. So it's such a strange concept that we see in Matthew that the Gentiles came and worshipped Jesus. But some of the religious leaders have rejected that the Messiah is coming. We saw it with Herod and the people around that didn't want to take the short trip and see it was if it actually was the Messiah. And here we have the same from the Sadducees and the Pharisees that they are not going to change and repent. Now, I don't think John's intention was to scare everybody. He wanted to inform them. Speaking the truth again in love. Because what, what is the greatest commandment when Jesus was asked? Can you find that slide? It's the... Uh, just one moment oh that's what it means to change your mind <laughs> uh, there somebody asked Jesus what's the most important command Jesus references Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, your strength. Second is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater. So when we speak about judgment and we have these fiery pictures and it's really un, it's really unpopular today that God even would be a judge then can we scare people by say, by can I scare people by saying like if you don't if you don't love Jesus you're gonna go to hell well the first commandment is that we should love Lord love God then I don't really believe you can scare people to repent. Because what was it that repentance is? From Romans. Or do you presume on the riches and kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to Repentance. Because of your heart and impenitent heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of, of wrath when God's righteousness, judgment will be revealed. 
So it's the kindness of God that leads the, us and the people to repentance. So again, John is inviting these people to repent and come to God. He's speaking the truth in love. The truth is that there will be a judgment on whether or not we believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord God and Savior. He's also calling everyone back to God that we don't have to be judged. But he is pressing, especially on the religious people, that they don't, that they might have conformed on the outside, but they have not changed their insides. Maybe being a lot more wanting political or religious power than actually loving and serving God. So he does press on them, but it's actually a loving thing to do to wake them up and say, you know, judgment is coming. And you think it's not. You think God doesn't see what's going on inside? He's given them a chance to return to God. Now, this is going to be anecdotal. This is my observation from people who, in my hearing of the stories, describe that they have given their lives to Jesus because they feared God. they were, had heard or seen a movie or something and they was like, I'll give my heart to God because I don't want to be left behind. I don't want to not go to heaven with my family. Um, and some people would even in vulgar terms call it, well, I don't necessarily follow Jesus, but I gave my life so I have fire insurance. Now, observing people who have this view of God or Jesus, their lives are not marked by joy and excitement of living for Jesus. It is, although they claim to have fire insurance, marked by fear of judgment, not a life lived word that Jesus calls on into an abundant life. If the greatest commandment is what we just talked about, that we should love the Lord your God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and strength, then it cannot be the only thing we understand about God is I need to have fire insurance from judgment. No, we need to know Jesus way better than that. Or at least those lives would live, be lived as having absolutely no power or strength and not at all understanding who Jesus is. In this verse, heart is all of who you are and it's all impulses. Soul is used as psyche as a word. Mind or disposition. This verse says everything about who we are needs to change to understand who God is. Therefore, it's way too, too simplistic. 
people are not going to come to God if they think he's a judge, if they have no idea who Jesus is. So loving and enjoying God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, that is far from somebody saying that they have fire insurance. Or I'll give my life so Jesus won't judge me. Or I'll, but then I'll go live my own life. Isn't that exactly what he says to the people? So this might just be a modern form of, of, of uh, pharisaicalism. That's like, oh, I gave my life to Jesus. But he does not have any say over my life. But I'm not going to get judged. Hmm. That seems to not comply with this verse. But it shows a huge misunderstanding of what the gospel and the good news really is. That God loved us first. Question for us is then, do we love God when he showed us he loved us first? I think it was this theologian, Archie Sproul, that said in some conversation when they talked about whether people knew God or not. Do you love God? And then obvious question would be, like, how much? Like, this verse also talks about. He said, do you love God at all? And do you have a lot desire to love him more? That's a very good indicator, indicator of whether you believe in Jesus at all. If you're focused on having fire insurance... There's nothing in you that wants to know and love Jesus more than I'll ask you to repent. Start loving God for who he is. Jesus knows exactly what's going inside and John does new. It does not matter what words you said if you're a kid or you're an adult, oh, I'll give my life to Jesus. If there is nothing inside of you that was ever going to change or ever going to submit to Jesus as Lord, it doesn't matter what you said because he knows what's inside. So therefore be awake. Because John and Jesus is very clear the judgment is coming. But that's why Jesus came. He was the one that could save us from judgment. From our sins. From all the things that we rebel against God. It's in Jesus that true life is found. What we really were created for. That we see in Jesus that we are loved by the Father. Yes, there will be a judgment, but we see that in Jesus we are loved by the Father. And John, Jesus, calls us to repent and to follow Jesus. But he calls us to do it with great joy and excitement, not like, oh yeah, man, I'm following Jesus. No, 
Not like the Israelites where we're like, no, man, Moses, you came, you just brought us out there to kill us. No, with great joy and excitement that we can follow Jesus. Not just so we don't get judged, but so that we get new life right now that makes a big difference. So that was, that's the painting we're painting every time. How beautiful is Jesus? How much do we want to know and live for him? And like I said, it's for all of us, an invitation into something better. Have you ever been in a conflict? This week seemed like it was just only conflicts. <laughs> Have you ever been in a conflict? Have you ever hurt somebody else? Have you ever said you had to, can you forgive me? Every time you said, can you forgive me? It's an invitation into new life because that person can forgive you and set you free to something different. Is it hard? Yes, it's extremely hard. Because <laughs> sometimes you're like, no, I'm right. I don't want to say I'm forgive. I don't want to forgive. But we also know when we'll be ineffective. We won't. We, it would clog all our energy. We won't see the things that Jesus are are presenting to us. It takes humility to say, I'm sorry, can you forgive me? But it's an explosion of the gospel when another person then puts their arms around them and says, I forgive you. I was forgiven in Jesus. They just spoke the gospel over you and invited you into new life. We're invited into something better. Not to seek our own kingdom, but to seek the kingdom of God. Jesus is coming back. Everything is going to be renewed. It is the kindness, the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. So that's why. I spent so much time on this because we need to talk about how we view God. Because if we view God as one who's out to get us, and I think Lee just helped me so much as a young Christian, he said, like, there's so many times that God says, don't be afraid. Because I was a bit, really pretty big sinner, so I was pretty sure that God should just, like, he was okay if he just killed me. <laughs> and Lee was, like, saying, like, you know, you shouldn't go around being afraid all the time. Like, God's saying, don't fear. And so if our view of God is so that God is just out to get us, then we need to remold that view of God. That God has shown us his love in who Christ is and is asking us to come to him, not run away. Because if you're scared of somebody and you do something wrong, like you're, <laughs> you, <laughs> you, I don't know, the bully in your school or the guy at work who really doesn't like you and you spill coffee on his uh, desk... Are you going to run there and say, hey, I'm sorry? Or are you, if we view God this way, what are we going to do when we sin? Run far away. You see that he's actually calling, calling us to himself. That even when we fail, he calls us to himself so we can receive joy and new life. And we will understand Every t- this is where Paul get into, got into trouble. Paul's not saying, and I'm not saying you should sin more, that grace may, abide, may not be. But when we do, the gospel spoken over us, 
will see, whoa, Jesus did this for me. And we will understand even better. Kindness, goodness that leads of God that leads us to repentance, a view of God where we run to him and not from him. We try to do it with our kids, but you know, with our kids, sometimes you know, they will, they will run away. Because what does sin opens us and shames us. And God comes after us in Christ Jesus. He sends Jesus in his life and his death and his resurrection to come after us and say, come back. Yes, there will be a judgment, but you don't have to be judged. You come back. Judgment was on Jesus. That's what we celebrated in communion. And then this so powerful verse here. Oh, that is small. It's actually bigger. If I, uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll go. So for, in John, First John, he says, we've seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to believe that the love of God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. But this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love because he loved we love because he loved us first this is the view of God he loved us first so we can trust and run to Jesus And so that's for all of you out there and in here. If you've never given your life to Jesus, understand who Jesus is. That he's an invitation to true life. That he is what shows you that you're loved by God. Repent of the things that you've done wrong and come and follow him instead. The same for you in here. If you've never done that, that's an invitation to do that by the Holy Spirit. Not so you can just say some words and then go live your own life. No, that you will be totally changed. All of you. You would live with great joy serving your master and savior, Jesus. In what is true life, and not what we sometimes make up, but what is true abundant life, what God can do in us. All that we need to do, all he has for us, all we were created for by the Holy Spirit. And we will stop here and then continue with the Jesus' baptism next time. God is an amazing God. We have the right view of who God is so we run to him and not from him. And you're invited to come to that. If we understand perfectly who God is or just have a good idea, we don't have to fear judgment. God is an amazing God. 
God, we are humbly here wanting to know more who you are, wanting to understand better who you are, Jesus. And I ask for any of us here, help us to understand your love. And Lord, I pray against all spirit of the evil one now, just trying to create doubt. If there is fear, shame, condemnation, Lord, I pray by your spirit, you would take that away. And instead, encourage people to seek who you are. Lord, may we always speak rightly of who you are. You're holy, you're just, you're loving, you're all-knowing, you always know what's inside of us. Lord, I ask that all of us would live the life that you have laid out for us with the good deeds that you asked us to walk, uh, that you prepared for us to walk in. Help us, Lord, and forgive us when when I grumble and complain. Help me to find great joy in who you are, what you do. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. And uh, you may stand up um, for the benediction. Um, if you need somebody to pray with, somebody to talk with, I'm here, Haddis here, Lee's here, Marius is here. Uh, so feel very, very encouraged to come and talk to us about this. Also, if you feel like, hey, I want to pray with the person next to me, you are very welcome to do that as well. Um, yes. So we read from Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God and Savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, now and forever, before all time, now and forever. Amen.